0: So let me start by defining a, a blind spot. And there's different ways you could dis- define it. But So the first thing I think of when I think of a blind spot is when you're driving. Everybody know where that blind spot is in your mirror, right? Uh, and, and that's why you know, you know it, because you're just getting ready to switch lanes. And it's like, um, and it probably happened to all of you. It's like, oh, no, boom, and near accident, right? Like that, that was that blind spot. But there are other kind of blind spots that we have. So let me talk about a blind spot that I have, um, and it's with my wife. And so um, f- f- a lot of times my wife will say something like this. She'll say, hey, I want you to go pick this purse out of a closet or I want you to pick something out of the cabinet or I want you to pick something uh, out of the refrigerator or something like that. And the moment she says it, and this is kind of where it gets weird for me, I'll, I'll visualize it. I, immediately I go, oh yeah, I think I know what I'm looking for. And so I'll stand there and the image in my mind is not matching up with the image of what's really in front of me. And so my wife is going, Steve, it's right in front of you. She'll be yelling from another room or something. I'm like, I can't see it. She says, it's right in front of you. And I'm like, no, Siri, it's not here. And then she'll come in, and inevitably it's right in front of me. And she'll, like, she'll hand it to me, and I'm like, oh, there it is. Well, why, why was that a blind spot? It was because in my mind, I mean, I didn't see it because mentally I had this image of something else. And, and I'm, wondering, I'm wondering maybe if, if it's not that way for a lot of people as it relates to God. I, I, I always say, you know, everybody's looking for God, but they don't know it. And, and, and I really, I think that that's true. But I think the, what they're looking for is a God who, who maybe they have no idea what he's really like or how they're going to experience. And so if they, if, if they are looking for God, they visualize or think God will look different or be different than, than he is. And, and so today... I, I want to talk to us, and this is kind of the, the big idea of, of what we're talking about this morning, is that how do we help other people's eyes to be open to God? Because there's blind spots, right? Even as, as Christ's followers, a lot of times we have blind spots. And, you know, maybe God is trying to show us something, and you know, you're like me, and like, God's going, it's right in front of you, it's right in front of you, and we're like, oh, I can't see it, right? But we're trying to, I'm thinking of people who don't have a relationship with God. Like, how can we get them to actually experience God and see God? and that God would be visible in in their life. So I want to read, I want to start here in the New Testament, then we're going to go to an Old Testament story. But uh, Peter says it this way. Peter uh, was one of the founding fathers of the church and had a lot of experience in sharing his faith, and he just got better and better as time went on. What, What you need to know about Peter is that Peter was pretty rough around the edges when he was a young guy. But as he got older, he learned how to very effectively help people get their eyes open to God and share his faith. And so he says this in chapter 3, beginning with verse 15. Uh, I'll just start right here. It says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that you have. Ever been in that moment, maybe, and somebody just hits you cold? Maybe you're hanging out with them, you're at a ball game. you know, you're doing something fun, or maybe it's just in your house, you're having dinner. And then somebody who maybe is not a person of faith says, hey, I'm just wondering, and they ask you that question in that moment, you're on, Right? Um, and, and if we're all honest, I wonder how many times that's happened and your heart starts beating faster and you're thinking, man, I do not want to screw this up. That's, 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 that's that moment right there. So Peter says, always be ready, be prepared for, th- for that moment to give the, the reason for the hope that you have. But then he says this, and this is really, really important to our conversation today. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. So that those who speak maliciously, maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Um, how many times maybe have, even be, before you became into a relationship with God, if you did, was maybe the gospel was presented and it was not presented well because the person was not respectful to you. Or maybe you've heard it said that way and somebody was just be, really just kind of railroading somebody with their faith. And so Peter, and again, he has a lot of experience in this. He goes, if you want to help somebody's eyes to be open, be thoughtful and respectful and help them along the way. So we're going to see this actually play out in a story uh, in, in the New, in New Testament. Second Kings, you can go ahead and turn there if you want. But what we see is this, is we, we have a culture. Let's just face it, and let's be honest. Our culture, doesn't exa- they're not thrilled about the idea of God or Jesus or faith. And, and, so, and yet we are people of faith. We are people who are Christ followers, um, if, indeed, if indeed you are. And, and, and so we live in this society that's becoming more and more secularized all the time. And we're trying to think, how can we, in the midst of a culture that's really not too crazy about the whole God thing, help them to open their eyes so that they'll want to know God, so that they'll want to have an experience with God? Because God is always wanting to get in. Why is he wanting to get in? The Bible says, for God so loved the world. He loves us. And it says that he's not willing that any should perish, you know, apart from this world without a relationship with God. So let's go to uh, 2 Kings chapter 6. And we're just going to take a few verses at a time here, beginning with verse 8. Um, so this is, this is about, and we've been talking about the prophet Elisha. Great, great prophet. Remember, before him was Elijah, and then he handed off his leadership to Elisha. It says, now the king of Aram, Aram, was at war with Israel. <laughs> you know, as I was looking at that this, this week, um, I just had to say, wow, all these years later, because Aram is Syria. Syria is on the border of Israel, as it always has been. And I'm thinking, all these thousands of years later, guess what? They're still at war with Israel. So the king of Aram was at war with Israel, and after conferring with his officers, he says, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. Uh, The man of God sent word to the king of Israel. Now, the man of God here actually is Elisha. He says, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. And so the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard against such places. It's interesting. So this is Israel. This is the people of God. God's looking out for Israel. And there's a secret agent there, 007. His name is Elisha. And Elisha is giving all this information to the enemies of Israel, uh, which, is, which is Aram in this particular instance. So what we see here is that, that God is always working, in, even when he isn't welcome. He's definitely not welcome in Aram, with Syria. And even in Israel, the king of Israel is not really following God um, most of the kings of Israel were not, not real God followers in this part of the kingdom. So it's time and time again, Elisha warned them. So God is using Elisha to try to really help the people know God. But not just, not just this is not for the sake of uh, Syria, but this is also for the sake of, of Israel. We, we need to know that about God. God loves the people around us who don't know him. He's just trying to love him into a relationship with him. That's why we don't hold everyone to the same standards that we're committed to. Classic, classic mistake made by the church, especially as I was growing up, was to expect that anybody who walked in the door of the church would know how it works, right? So like, well, you should know how to dress, and you should know how we do things around here, and you should know what our expectations are, and you should understand our worldview. Uh, I wonder how many of you grew up in a a church like that. Uh, I grew up in a really, really hyper-conservative church, and it, it was just not fair to the people that came there, number one. And secondly, I mean, really? Like, you're going to expect people to walk in the door, and you're immediately we're just going to, it's like the church that I grew up in is like, we're going to straighten you out, okay? We're glad you came. Now we're going to straighten you out, right? I mean, and I'm thinking, what kind of a way is that to open the eyes of people and win people to God? I mean, I think about myself. You know, I've been on this journey a long time with God, and, and God is still working with this guy, still, you know, got some, lot. Of, in fact, he's got a lot of work to do with me. My wife and I were having this conversation the other day, and, you know, we like to joke around with each other, and my wife, you know, we talk about trading each other in for somebody else, you know, and stuff like that. We're very secure in our relationship. Anyway, um, so uh, my, my wife said, no, actually, she said, I wouldn't trade you in for somebody else, and I thought, like, oh, she goes, because it took me 38 years to train you to get you where you are today. And I'm thinking the same is true. You know, when you think about our journey with God, and, 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 and so it took us all these years to maybe get where you are today, and then we expect people to walk in the door and, like, know, you know, know the Bible, you know, know our mindset, know, have our worldview. You see, I, I believe that the worst thing that we could ever do is tell somebody, this is what you need to do. Because isn't that what people think about church anyway? They think, well, I, I know how it works. I know. Yeah, I'm going to walk in and you're going to tell me all the bad things that I do and all my bad habits. And, and that's just the expectation. And if, if we actually practice that, which a lot of churches still today, unfortunately, practice that, all we're saying is, uh, we're, we're talking about behavior modification. We're coming in and saying, you just need to be good. Oh, that really helps. That helps a whole lot. You see, we're, we're talking about life transformation. We're talking about heart transformation. We're, ha- we're talking about knowing God. So that anything good in our life starts to come from a place, it's, we call it an inside job. God, really, we connect with God, and then God begins to change our life. It's not about the church wagging our finger at people, saying, you bad people, and trying to get them to you know, instantly be what we think they should be. Now, for some of you that have been praying, have uh, ever been praying for somebody for a long time, and, and you're just thinking, this person is never going to connect with God? Like, they're, they're just so out there, and, and you just feel like, I don't know if God will ever come through on this one. And, and maybe you've had that experience. I love what Isaiah, in chapter 60, verse 22, he says it this way, I am the Lord, and when it is time, I will make things happen quickly. God says there is a time. Again, he's been working with me, he's been working with some of you, we, we're his project, right? And he loves us, and he, he's, he's trying, trying to help us. And it makes me think of... Uh, a guy that I prayed for for a long time, but I have to, I'll tell you the story, and, and I'll be honest with you, I, I didn't have much faith this guy would ever come to know Jesus. He was, he was my step-grandfather. His name was Eddie. We never call him grandfather, we call him Eddie. And so when my mother, my, my, my grandmother was about 39, 40 years old, she had a bit of a midlife crisis, and she, you know, kind of dumped my grandfather, and, and she ran off looking for a man. And one day she ended up in a bar, and she saw this, uh, this uh, sailor, good-looking sailor over there, and sipping on his beer, and so she walked over to him, and kind of the rest is history, you know, they got together. And, uh, but Eddie, you to say that he was rough around the edges would be an understatement. Um, you know, he was, he was a career sailor, and so, you ever hear the expression, swear like a sailor? That would define Eddie. Uh, he was very antagonistic towards faith. Uh, and so, when I got to be a teenager, and I became more of a person of faith, and I was actually, you know, trying to live my faith out, like, he was brutal to me. I, I, I always knew that he was there because as soon as I was walking home or coming to, into the house, you know, smoke would be billing out the windows. He was a heavy smoker. And so I'm like, oh, Eddie's here, you know. And, and, and so, and he was an alcoholic just, you know, to make it more fun. And, and so usually by the time I got home, he'd had a few drinks. And so he was like blowing smoke in my face and, and just coming at me about Jesus and, you know, faith. And I'm like, oh, this guy drives me crazy. So, I, I, I'm praying for him, but I have to tell you, my prayers were kind of like this. I'm praying for everybody, and then it was Eddie like, oh, God, whatever, Eddie, just you know, help him help out. Don't really believe in my heart that he'll actually ever come to know you, but I'm going to pray for him anyway, because he is my grandfather. And, and, and so one day, I think I was in my senior year of college, I get a call from my mother, and she said, you are never, ever going to believe what happened. So what? Tell me. She said, Eddie, and this is the way he would have said it back in the day, Eddie got saved, and I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? She goes, no. And he got saved. So, I, even still, I was kind of wondering about this. Serious, I mean, you, you had to know him. And I'm like, oh, okay, I, I got to see this. And sure enough, when I saw him, I mean, you know, he's still kind of his loud, obnoxious self in a certain way because it was his personality, but he had radically changed. I mean, this guy loved Jesus with all of his heart. I mean, I, 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 it took me the first year just to get used to being around him again because he loved God so much. It was almost all he could talk about and his whole life, he you know, got over, he wasn't an alcoholic anymore and his whole life just began to change in front of us and he just loved people. I'm like, wow. See, I, the reason I, I want to tell you that story is because I, I, I'm wondering, maybe there's somebody in your life and you're thinking, they'll never ever know God. But they might. You keep praying for him. You, and it might take a long time. It might take a long time. It, I think it took 20, 25 years for Eddie to come around, but he finally came around. So don't, don't give up. Keep, keep praying for those people in your life. Then if we're going to open up people's eyes to the opportunities of God, we have to demonstrate God's grace. It can't be just about what we say. It's got to be how, how we live and extending grace to them. And so we see that in this story. Let's pick it up verse 11. This enraged the king of Aram. And he summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me, which of us is in the sight of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, he tells the king of Israel the very words that you speak in your bedroom. That's kind of creepy. Can you imagine if you're the king, now you really want to get him, right? And he says, go find out where he is, the king ordered so I can send men and capture him. And the, re- the report came back. He is in Dothan. And then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. And they went by night and they surrounded the city. So the king of Aram, Aram, he is on a mission. Like, we have got to get this guy. You know, he, he's, he's messing up our, our plans. Um, we, 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 he's, he exposes us every, every time. But there is a prophet in Israel. And his name is Elisha. And he's got a very, very visible faith. Notice he says, but Elisha. Now, Elisha's faith is known not only in Israel, but it's known in in Syria at that time. It's known all around. He is a man that that has faith. See, the thing that's going to open people's eyes around us is when we live out our faith to the extent that people say, "I, I can see your faith. It's not just about what you say. It's not the fact that maybe you go to church. It's not that maybe I, I, I know that you read your Bible or whatever. It's actually your faith is, is being lived out. That's why if you've been going to this church for any length of time, you know that we are all about loving people and reaching out to people and doing sacrificial things for people. Uh, that sports camp was just, you know, we, we did that for free for our community. Um, that's why we do house builds in Mexico It's why we we try to rescue kids from human trafficking and on and on and on it goes. Why do we do these things? These are visible ways of us expressing the love of God in our life. And I think it speaks to people when they see us doing that. And I'm not saying that you can't be a a follower of God and, and do some of those things. There are a lot of good people out there that are maybe not connected to God and doing some of those things, but that at the very least needs to be something about who we are that there is grace that is coming out of, out of our life. We also need to be aware that fear can blind us from seeing the presence of God. So look what happens next in the story. When the servant of the man of God got up and he went out early the next morning, an army of horses and chariots were, surround, were surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. So let's just visualize you're that person. You get up that morning and you're like, oh, after your cup of coffee, you know, you look out there and there it is. You are surrounded by these chariots, soldiers. They're just everywhere, and instantly you're thinking, we're doomed. They're, this is, it's over. There, there's no hope in the situation. And sometimes you and I can get to a point where, I mean, have you ever been so loaded down with problems that it just puts this fear in your heart, and you just think, it's, it's just, this, this is going to be the end of me. And, and your stress level is beyond anything you've experienced and, and, and when you get to that place, chances are God kind of is something If you, you might be crying out a little bit, go, God, help me, but, but fear is winning the day. Well, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that perfect love drives out fear or casts out fear, the love of God. Paul says it this way in, in the 8th chapter of Romans. He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And what we need to know is, is sometimes when our enemies or our problems, which are our enemies, are, are surrounding our life and filling our life, that we're intimidated by that. But what you need to know is around that is God. Around your biggest problem is the God who loves you. And we have to, we have to look, look to him. And so I think this is a fair question to ask. What is blinding you from seeing the presence of God in your life right now? If indeed that might be a reality, what is it that would keep you from experiencing God? Is it fear? Too many problems? Do you like, I, "I just I want to experience God. I want to see God, but I can't see Him right now because I'm just so filled with all these problems. Or, or maybe it's uh, entitlement. You know what entitlement is? It's talked about a lot today. Entitlement is, God, I deserve better than this. I, you know, this marriage ended badly and I did not sign up for this and where were you in the middle of all of that? God, I, I, you know, I had this career and my career's not doing very well and there's all these entitlement things going on and so when we look at God, we, we don't look at him very well. We don't see him. Or how about this one? This might even be maybe the biggest one. God, I will not forgive that one person. I cannot let go of what they did to me. How they hurt me. The Bible says this in the book of Hebrew. It says, do not let a root of bitterness get inside of you. Why? Because you won't see God. You know, hate blinds. Let me say it again. Hate blinds. And when you are full of hate or bitterness, you can't see God. God says you have to let it go. You have to forgive. And you have to move on. And if you're here today and you're saying, yeah, I just can't see God maybe that's it. If there's somebody that you won't forgive, if there's something you can't let go of, could it be? That that's the very issue right there. You need to forgive. You need to let go. You need to move on. And then you need to ask God to make himself known to you. For, for people who really can't see God, it's really about saying, God, you've you got to help me see because I can't see. Verse 16 says this, Don't be afraid, the prophet answered, Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. See, Elisha could see what God was really up to. He could see what his prophet, or what his his servant could could not see. See, right now, wouldn't it be crazy if God would open our eyes up to all things spiritual, like the invisible world? Kind of freaky for a second, right? All of a sudden, like, whoa! But also very encouraging, because in that moment, we would realize that. God's presence and his forces are much stronger than all the other forces of evil that are out there. We would realize that God is for us, and he's strong, and he's on our side, and, and, and he wants to help us. If you're, if you're here today, and you have not been experiencing God, you don't, feel, you don't feel God, you don't see God, I want to pray for you right now, okay? Okay? Because this happens, I I talk to people all the time, and and they say that. They'll go, and a lot of times it's people that are not necessarily people of faith, but this is their big thing. They go, yeah, you know, if he's out there, I want to experience him, but I I don't know, I haven't seen anything yet. And then I talk to people of faith who tell me the same thing. I don't know, I'm in this season, I just can't seem to to feel God. So would you just bow your heads with me for a moment? Let's pray about that, okay? Father, I know that at any given time, even people of faith can hit this place, kind of this this crisis, where it just feels like you're not there, like you're not seen or visible or working or real. And in my prayer, Lord, for these that are here this morning, if there's anybody who finds himself in that place, God, my prayer is that you would reveal yourself to them, show yourself, show up, God. Show up in their life. Let them know how you love them. And even though they may be going through a very difficult time in their life right now, I ask that you would be so real and so evident, it would be undeniable. I ask, the Lord, that, that it would happen for those that would believe this prayer, that would enter in right now in this prayer, today and tomorrow and this week, and that they'll step back and say, you are real. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, Elisha prayed, and he says, Open his eyes, Lord, and so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots, all fire, all around Elisha. So in that moment, it's like, whoa, God showed up. He's here. He's, he, he's real and in this moment. His eyes were open. Again, how are we going to open the eyes of people around us to experience and see God? Well, I think, again, it's always going to be about grace, but it's going to be about grace and action in, in our life. And this is, Elisha demonstrates this so beautifully uh, in verses 18 and 20. Let's, let's read those. Look what happens next. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. And so he struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked. And Elisha told them, This is not the road, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will lead you to the man that you're looking for. And he led them to Samaria. And after they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. And then the Lord opened their eyes, and they looked, and there they were inside Samaria. Now, you have to know what a big deal this is. All those thousands of years ago, these were revenge cultures. You did not let your enemy off the hook. If you captured your enemy, at the very least, they were going to be slaves and held captive. But Elisha wants to show them something different. Yeah, he does pray for temporary blindness so that they don't get killed. But then he's he's going to show them the way that God deals with with people, how, how God loves people. So Here's another question for you that maybe will help you in your season of life. How do I typically respond in difficult times? Do you fight, in other words, do you fight fire with fire? Now, let's look at verse 22. This is, this is crazy what he does next. Verse 22. Do not kill them, he answered. Well, let me, let me go to verse 21. When the king of Israel saw, that, saw them, he asked Elisha. Now, look what the king of Israel says. This is typical of the kings back then. Shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? Elisha says, no, do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill those who have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. At which point I'm sure that the king of of Israel's mouth just drops open like, what? That's just not the way we do things around here. But Elisha is trying to show the king and he's trying to show the people of God, what does grace look like? Fight, you know, there are times when I say I want to qualify my statement. There, fighting fire with fire rarely works. There are now if somebody's trying to destroy the church, obviously we God didn't ask us to be doormats. There are times that we have to stand up for our faith. But it's not about revenge. It's not about picketing. It's not about doing things that are offensive in, in that way. There will be times that we need to take our stand for Christ. But generally speaking, fighting fire with fire, like you come at me, I'm coming at you, doesn't really accomplish much in the kingdom of God. That's why Romans says this in Romans chapter 12, verses 17 and 18, it says, don't repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I, you know, I love, the way that, I love the way that Paul said this because there's, have you noticed a little caveat there? He says, if it is possible. So have you ever known somebody who is impossible? That's the caveat right there. Okay. So in other words, Paul's acknowledging, he goes, it's on us as followers of God, always do your best. Live at peace with everyone as much as you can, as much as it depends on you, because sometimes there's just going to be people out there that you know you do your best, and it just, that's just the way it is. They're not going to come around. This is one of my favorite statements right here. When embarking on the journey of revenge, dig two graves. (laughs) Revenge, you know what? Revenge is awesome in movies, right? You ever go to one of those movies and, you know, at the very end, you know, the bad guy really gets it and you're like, yes, revenge. But in real life, it never plays out well. Has never played out well in my life. I don't know anybody really that, because they, they, they make statements like this. Revenge is sweet. Maybe for a moment. But then there's all this other stuff that comes with it. I, I have to be honest with you, and my wife can verify this. Um, earlier in my life, I was kind of a revenge guy. It's, you know, I got that Sicilian blood in me, and I'm not going to blame it on that. But earlier in my life, I was kind of like this. If you get me, I'm going to get you. And I'm going to get you worse than you got me. That's just who I was. Uh, And at some point in time, just because God is, i remember I told you it's a long journey, he's been working on me. At some point in time, I realized this is not the way to do it. And every time that I did do revenge, it was always messy. And it didn't feel good. When you think about revenge, how many times, if if you're going to do revenge, you have to think about it a lot. You have to stew about it. You have to burn up a whole bunch of emotional energy over it. You might lose some sleep over it. I'm going to get him, I'm going to get him, I'm going to get him. God doesn't want us to do that. The Bible says this. The Bible says, Revenge is mine, says the Lord. I got it covered. That's not your responsibility. So that's just not the way we do it. Kind, compa- kindness and compassion are really what win the day. So look, look what he does now. He says, Set food and water before them. So he's already done that. Verse, verse 23. So he prepared a great feast for them, And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away, and they returned to their master. And so the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. Can you you imagine a full-blown party for these guys? Now they can see, and they're, you know, I can imagine they're just kind of like looking across the table at each other and going, are you kidding me? They're giving us a party after we attacked them? Like we were going to kill them, and now they're feeding us, and they're giving us this banquet. Like how crazy is this? You ever wonder if maybe the people in our life feel the same way when they're mean to us and we're not mean to them? They even might hate us, but we don't hate them. That's why in Romans 2 4 it says, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? How do you do you do deal with open hostility? When people come at you, do you know what Jesus said? Okay, get, get ready for this. Jesus said, if you follow me, they will persecute you. They will ridicule you. They will reject you. Are, are, did you get that? He just said, it's going to happen. If you're a true follower of me, it kind of comes with the territory. But also said, but, but you love them anyway. I, I, it makes me think of a um, some years ago, I w- we were just getting the church started in Ocean Beach. And so I was pastoring two churches that time. So on Saturday, I was just getting the church open, our New Break church over in Ocean Beach. And so I would pastor there on Saturday, and then I would come here and I would pastor this church on Sunday. And I did that for about two years. And, man, that was, I really got tired. But anyway, one day, as we were trying to get that church open in Ocean Beach, I walked into this um, this tool rental place. And the guy I started talking to the guy behind the counter, and he was like, really nice guy, big smile, we're joking around, we're laughing, we're chatting it up, we're having a good old time. And I thought, well, I should tell this guy about this new church that we're going to start over in Ocean Beach. And so I said, hey, I want to tell you something. Did you know that there's a new church that's going to be here in Ocean Beach? And I'm the pastor, and it's called New Break. And I, I got no further than that when everything radically changed. His face just dropped. And then he got his look on his face like he wanted to hurt somebody. I was just hoping it wasn't me. I mean, I mean, you had to say, I was like, oh, wow, it's like super awkward. And then I, I, so what do you do when it's awkward? You're like, well, you just keep talking and I keep talking and I'm getting no response. I mean, it is just crickets. So finally, um, you know, I, I, I got what I needed. I made you know, the purchase and I said, well, it, good talking to you. He does not make eye contact with me. He just looks down at the ground. Kind of like just get out of here. Now, what do you do in in a situation like that? You just write him off? Just go, well, that guy is gonna burn hot. What, what, what What do you do in a situation like that? I'll tell you what you do. You pray for that guy. And you have to ask yourself the question: here's the question I ask myself: why why did he have such a strong reaction? Who hurt that guy? What bad church experience did that guy have that he acted like that? And it also makes me ask myself another question. Who's praying for that guy? I wonder if there's a grandma in there somewhere praying for that guy and he's all agitated, you know, God's dealing with that guy. And, of course, I come in and, you know, he just acted out. Those people that you're praying for, that you're trying to get their eyes open by God, here's what you need to know. And I, I, for years, and this comes from my personal experience of years and years and years of being a Christ follower and also being a pastor. Know this, and I want to prepare you. Sometimes, when you start praying for somebody to have their eyes open, things get worse before they get better. Mom and Dad, you start praying for that kid, and I've, I've had so many parents tell me this. We started ramping up our prayers, and things have never been worse. He's he's getting worse, or she's getting worse. Or or I'm praying for my spouse, or I'm praying for this guy at work, and now he's, like, really coming at me. Like, what is that? Why is it that our prayers would do that? Because God is beginning to really work with that person. And there's stuff going on inside internally. You don't know what that stuff is. So what I'm saying is, don't back off on your prayers. Just keep coming with your prayers. Because eventually God's going to open their eyes up. And so here is your homework assignment this week. Who can you show kindness and compassion to this week who maybe is mean to you, maybe who's rejected you, maybe uh, you, they, just, they don't like you and there's a lot of history, water under the bridge? Who, who would that be? i get got a few in my life, and so that's not too hard for me. But what about you? Who would that person or persons be in, in your life? I want just put the challenge out there and then just see what happens. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you never give up on us. It, you just don't. We could we can behave so terribly and yet you love us anyway. Thank you for your rich mercy and your patience and your love and so much grace. Oh, so much grace. But Lord, help us to also be those who will give grace because we've received grace. And help us to to love, even despite the fact that sometimes people don't treat us well. Maybe they will ridicule us. We might even get rejected. But in the midst of that, Lord, help us to help other people's eyes be open. And one of the greatest ways, Lord, we can do that is by loving everybody, even people who don't treat us well.